Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You know, I don't, I don't know that we're as broken as maybe people think. I mean, our record is terrible. But when you, you look at the talent on this team, we've got a lot of talent. We've just got to make sure that they're all playing together. One of the various inevitable press conferences we'll be experiencing in the coming days is owners face the music they rarely face the music i kind of like it when they oh, have we to know you do sit down and talk and answer questions and account for their dysfunctional teams and dysfunctional teams do indeed do dysfunctional things it's pft live speaking of dysfunction here on peacock series xm85 sky sports nfl and podcast wherever you get your podcast the show is always or at least for the past several months, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Hey, look, speaking of dysfunction, that game last night, oh my I gosh. can't believe I watched all uh, of it. Right? I was too lazy to change the channel. I didn't know what else was on. There's no other football game on. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Stop the fight. Seriously. My God. They should have had a running clock from the end of the first quarter on. <laughs> what, right? I mean... Uh, it it was it's disappointing to watch a a championship game right and just see no competitive you know uh com, you know just nothing there as far as no competitive fire from one team one team totally outclassed by the other and you know it's a championship game where we're all excited for it i mean it's it's supposed to be the best game of the year not the worst game of the year and that was, you know, that was my issue, Mike, with the Big 12 as in general. I know I, I you know, you know a little bit about this, but I in some. I'm not familiar with it at all. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I put out a tweet when they got in TCU saying the Big 12 sucks. OK, and, and I should have backed it up with some more information. And I think I even made some of our bosses angry, but oh, you, uh, you don't need to now. Yeah. You don't need to now. All you have to do is point to last night. You don't need any. There's, there's no well, exhibit B or C or D. Exhibit A is last night. I know. Well, they'll be able to claim, well, look at the Michigan game, right? And, you know, so I understand that. And they caught Michigan and, they, you know, hey, we didn't deserve to be there. We're TCU. Michigan feeling themselves off Ohio State. Michigan doing some crazy dumb stuff on, you know, defense being aggressive. And, 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 and Jim Harbaugh is not the greatest big game coach I've ever seen. But that's another matter for another time. But, yeah, that's where you want the best four teams. That's where I hopefully this expands. But that's where I didn't agree with those four teams being in. Exactly right. Exhibit A. You know, you want the four best teams. Yeah, I get that. And within the four best teams, you know, they match up with each other. And there wouldn't be blowouts like this. Alabama should have got in over TCU, in my opinion. I mean, come on. You know, the Big 12, as you've heard me say, Mike, I mean, it's 50 players in the NFL from the Big 12. It's 360-something from the SEC. It's 250-something from the Big 10. The Big 12 has a stigma throughout the NFL. Most people don't want defensive linemen and offensive linemen from the Big 12. 
because it's a it's a seven on seven conference. So yeah, that pissed me off last night, Mike. It was our last Monday night, you know, hurrah of the year. Actually, we got one more, but it still was no fun to watch. Next week, yeah. I still can't get used to the fact that there's a playoff game. I know it, it got me too, I right to there. Last year's, last year's was so bad between the Rams and the Cardinals. There's the Cardinals again. We'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Let me yeah. just say this though: a couple yeah. of things. A couple of things. First of all, first of all, yeah, let me hear it. There's no guarantee we're going to avoid this in the future. People I know. are saying, well, once there's a 12-team playoff, this won't happen again. Because you can still have upsets. I think back to yep. the year that the Bears won the Super Bowl. The only time they've ever won it. The 85 Bears, how dominant they were. And all signs were pointing to a Bears-Dolphins rematch right. in the Super Bowl. Been scary. The way the Patriots right? beat them. Right. And, and what ended up happening, the yeah. Super Bowl sucked. And there have been plenty of Super Bowls that have sucked thanks to an upset along the way. Yep. The more games you make great teams play, yeah. the greater the chance That's that right. one of them is going to get knocked out before they can get there. Right. That's part of the problem, too. Agreed. So don't assume that they're going to wave this magic wand by expanding to 12 teams because if you have the two best teams in the country and one of them stubs their toe, you're going to potentially get another 65-7. to seven. That's not going to take it no. off the table. And if anything, Chris, the more teams that are in the playoff, the more teams that are susceptible of getting destroyed by the best team if the second best team isn't there. Well, I'm, I'm sure that will be. It is college football. So the difference between the first team and the 12th team is there is a bigger difference than in the NFL where we know that can be a nail-biter. You know, but that's to me, Mike, a conversation of that's why you have to get the, the, the teams right. It can't be a political play and, oh, we want to feel, make, we want to make the Big 12 feel good. They haven't been in it for a while. And we want to make that region of the country feel good. Sorry, the football in that region is not good right now. They don't, they don't get in. Now. They right. don't now. Well, that's, where, not that's, that's, in that one. that's what's what I mean, though. And that's what, that was what, what I was trying to say. It's just, yeah. 11-1 and one in the Big 12 with an ugly Big 12 loss to a Kansas State football team. And, you know, no teams really in the top 20 when it's all said and done that TCU beat that are in the Big 12. You know, so that's where you look at it and go, okay, so we can't do it that way. That's what leads to that too, what we saw last night. Again, if it was Alabama, we would not have had that. That, that would not have happened. Alabama versus Michigan in the second round, first round would have been a good game. We saw Ohio State and, and Georgia, great game. And we wouldn't have, because it would have been the four best teams, we would not have 65 to 7 and ESPN losing millions of dollars because we all turned off the TV uh, late in the second quarter, you know, or most people did. I did, but it was background noise from that I, point on. I still had it on, but it yeah. was background noise. Right. I worked. I just kind of relaxed, and yeah. it was just there. I right. was just curious how bad. Exactly, it that's yeah. what it was, right? That became <laughs> yeah. the most interesting factor. Are they going to score a hundred? I actually 70? had the thought right. cross my mind in the first half: Will they score a hundred points? Because I felt like if they wanted to, Chris, they could have scored a hundred last night. Yeah. That's. That's how bad of a mismatch it was. But, look, that's just one of the many problems that relates to college football. As we have the NIL money, which is great because it finally gets the players paid, it's going to create super conferences. And the reality is yeah. the middle-of-the-pack team in the SEC exactly. is going to be better than the best team in almost every other conference that, in the that, country. Agreed. That's just the way it is. So, yeah. so when it's time to pick 12 – you're going to have six SEC teams I, if, you, if what, you're truly looking for the best right. 12. That's what I think happened this year, though. See, the SEC has been such a big part of this. I felt like they were like, oh, we can't have Bama in here again. And they lost two yeah. games. So this is our chance just to get them out of here. And then I want to go, eh, they were still one of the four best teams. And, yeah, that's that. But you're right. Exactly right. And I, I, that's, that's where they can't be afraid to do that. It might not be popular or whatever else, but you got to pick the best teams, and you know, hopefully, we won't get what we saw last night. But man, let's praise Georgia a little bit. You talk about a, like an all-time great defense last year, right? That won the national championship. All those guys that went to the NFL, and here they are, just back and dominate college football again. I mean, it's just uh, amazing what Kirby Smart's done down there. It's pretty special. It really is. And as we look for a way to pivot from the college game to the NFL and the dysfunction of various franchises in the NFL, let me just make one point. I'm yeah. not going to belabor this, right. but I was astounded and stunned 
to see videos and accounts last night that it rained in L.A. It was wet. Right. Around SoFi It Stadium. was funny to see it on the camera a little a, bit. It's, it's not a dome. It's a carport. And sometimes the wind and the rain make right. their way inside the carport. Apparently it was thundering at some point, which, you know, could have created a situation like we saw when there was a Monday night game in SoFi 2021 where they actually had to stop the game even though the game Raiders, is Chargers. indoors. It's not indoors. I just want, I just want to say this. Yes, because John Gruden was, went bonkos over all that. Right. It wasn't long before Gruden gone for completely different reasons. I just want to say this. I saw accounts of people slipping and falling on the surface that was selected to be on the ground where human beings put their shoes as they move on this pavement at SoFi Stadium, and there were people being rolled out on stretchers because they slipped and fell. How do you design a stadium that quite possibly is going to have water on the walking surfaces because the thing isn't completely enclosed that is slippery when wet? There are ways to construct and devise walking surfaces that don't automatically become slippery when wet. That is a failure of legal and engineering and that's where, no matter how rich and powerful someone is, I, I, the point I, I wasn't going to make, but I'm going to make it anyway, I bet the deck of Stan Kroenke's yacht isn't slippery when wet. But the pavement, if you're walking around SoFi Stadium and it happens to be raining, you better watch out because you may bust your ass. I couldn't believe it when I saw that, Chris. I, I, I haven't seen that yet, but uh, that's, it is crazy. It is. I did not think we would be hitting on the walking surface outside the stadium today. No, but, it's just amazing to me. These, these, these cathedrals of football that right. we all are conditioned to worship. Oh, SoFi Stadium. Oh, almighty SoFi Stadium. Yeah, just don't go there if it's raining. Other than that, it's fine. Oh, but it doesn't rain in L.A. No, it doesn't until it does, and then you have a mess. All right, let's move on to other messes in the NFL. And look, for two straight years, we've had Super Bowls played in stadiums where the home team made it and won the game. Right. After all those years of a home team never hosting a Super Bowl, now this year the team that's hosting the Super Bowl is cleaning house. So we don't have to worry about the Cardinals making it three in a row. They didn't make the playoffs, and now their coach and their GM are gone. This was expected. The only reason that I didn't expect it, and I made this point yeah, Sunday right. night, Football Night in America, when we flagged the two jobs that ultimately opened up yesterday because every once in a while a blind squirrel does chew on an acorn, Cliff Kingsbury's contract. And I, I kept hearing it yesterday, and everybody's caught up in he's signed through 2027. He's signed through 2027. 2027 is an option year, but it's still four years. Yes. Three, four, five, six, four years that Michael Bidwell is going to have to pay this guy the net between whatever he makes elsewhere and what he would have made with the Cardinals. And there was a thought that maybe Bidwell wouldn't do it. Well, given where the team currently is, and he thought about doing it last year. Yep. Instead, he did these contracts both for Kingsbury and Kime and then signed Kyler Murray, and it's all been a mess. And we, we heard what Bidwell had to say at the top. Bottom line is he's holding everyone accountable. Steve Kime out, Cliff Kingsbury out. He's going to have to dig deep to pay those guys. And now, Chris, what's he going to have to do to get a good coach yeah, and a good GM? Yeah, He's going to have to dig even deeper. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I know, Mike. That was the big thing, right? I think you and I, we, we hit on it a lot over the last few weeks. We thought that there would be a change made. You didn't know exactly what the guarantees were. You know, and I think the thing that, you know, I, I saw some of the stuff you were talking about yesterday on TV, too, where... You know, some people get uh, you know mixed up or don't quite understand. Just because you have, let's say, a five-year contract for twenty million dollars, just to make it a round number, that that does not mean just because you get fired after year one, right, that you're going to see the rest of that money in full. There's plenty of coaches within the NFL where they're making this money, but if they get fired, it becomes lesser amount, right, Mike? Like, well, hey, I'm making ten million a year. But if I got fired, they're going to have to pay me a guarantee of $6 million a year or $5 million a year, right? right? So that's where we don't know the language of that either. And I would think that's where the Cardinals protected themselves a little bit here in, this scenario, in case this scenario happened. They had to see the writing on the wall. We were talking about it last offseason before the extension and all that anyways. Just about, man, the bad finishes by Cliff Kingsbury, how the team has looked you know, at the end of seasons and every year he's coached there. So uh, I don't think we're shocked shocked to see this happen it's an offensive coach where the offense was 
you know, the the problem with the football team. And I I wasn't surprised to to see Cliff Kingsbury go yesterday. Well, and as we've said time again, it's a college offensive coach who is tied to a system, not the realities of game planning and adjusting, creating plays and coming up with new wrinkles and thinking about the defense you're going to face and trying to stay a step ahead of them while they're trying to crack the code on what you do and shut it down. Because at the college level, it works. Because the great offenses have superior talent right. to the defenses that they're facing. And they could come up to the line of scrimmage and say, here's what we're going to do. Go ahead and try to stop us. It's a different game at the NFL because the talent is so compressed together. And as it relates to the contracts, remember, when this all happened, I just, you know, it was the, the pasta and meatballs. Just kind of, It's like there was, a, there was a sense that things were going sideways in Arizona. Right. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, out of the blue, Kime and Kingsbury have contract extensions through 2027 with no further details announced or reported. So there was nothing for anyone to brag about. We don't know how much no, Kingsbury that was, was making. Right. We don't know how much of it's guaranteed. We don't know how much he's going to walk away with. And the other reality to it, I don't know that this is going to happen. But NFL owners have the ultimate hammer if they want to use it. If they just want to fire you for cause. Now, look, that can create issues when you're trying to hire coaches in the future. But if they want to say you're fired for cause because you did X, Y, or Z that we may not know about, where where does it get resolved? Not in court. Not in court. It gets resolved by the guy who's been hired by the owners. Right. It gets, it gets resolved by Roger Goodell. They all sign off on that provision in their contract. That's something that we're seeing Brian Flores fight John Gruden fight the idea that this secret rig kangaroo court you know it's the offseason when we start using that term again but it's not going to be used in a way that is unfair to the coaches and that's the other hammer so for all we know for all we know Michael Bidwell has negotiated or is negotiating some sort of a resolution where these guys take even less than what they were supposed to get so it's not anything anyone's going to come out and tell us but don't be so stunned and don't be so surprised end of the day though Bidwell is going to have to pay these guys some amount of money to go away. And now, what do, what do we do? This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at Paycor.com leaders. That's P-A-Y-C-O-R dot com slash leaders. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat. Protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or Lending Partner Banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Here's something that fascinated me. We're going to hear from Michael Bidwell on the important question of whether or not the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, a guy that they can't just quickly get rid of because of his contract, Kyler Murray, will he have input in what the team does when hiring a next coach? Here's Bidwell on that. We're in communication, and, uh, and, and we should be talking later today. We've texted and, and either today or tomorrow, and so absolutely want to get the input of uh, our leaders, uh, including Kyler, and spoken with uh, a number of leaders already. See, now, if I were a real jerk, I'd say that Kyler Murray was going to spend four hours per week on looking for a new coach. But I'm, <laughs> I'm not funny. a jerk, and I'm not going to say that. So, uh, but it's a dangerous game to play. And look, the, the quarterback has to, has to feel comfortable, or does he? I mean, it's, it's all a question of who's the most powerful person in the organization. Is it the quarterback who's got the biggest contract by far of any one who works for Michael Bidwell, or does the coach need to be able to come in and take charge and say there really is a new sheriff in town? And I feel like the Cardinals are one of those teams 
where maybe they need a new sheriff in town, Chris. I, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, you know, again, I, I feel like we just did the experiment of, hey, the coach and the quarterback are friends and buddies, and, you know, we can make it all work because there's, you know, great camaraderie and there's some history, and they, you know, they ran this offense together in college football. No, no. And, and again, I, I don't know a lot of, like, successful organizations, dynasties, whatever, through the history of football where it's like the quarterback and the coach are, like, best friends, you know? Okay, yeah, there's a good relationship. But, no, usually there's a fine line and, like, wait, no, this guy is the general, you know? Or here, this is the guy that's in charge. Here's the guy that's, you know, the guy underneath them. And, and that's how usually a successful football team works, right, with some give and take there. Uh, but right now, and what we saw the last few years between, wait, we're going to do everything about the quarterback and make him look good and do, you know, frame everything around that. Well, okay, you know, it led to some exciting moments, but it, it didn't lead to anything spectacular on the football field. That's for sure. You know, and you said it right. It was an offense that is made for college football. The NFL caught on to it every year, especially after we got through the halfway point of the year to where, yeah. You know, there is some talent on this football team. I mean, come on. I mean, that offense, what they got there a little bit, there's DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore. They got some tight ends that are pretty good. The offensive line isn't that bad. I mean, it shouldn't look the way it looked this year on the offensive side of the ball or the way it looked at the end of the last year either. So uh, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I'm more in favor of they need a guy that comes in there and sets everybody straight. And I don't mean that disrespectful, but even Kyler Murray and the fact of just like, hey, I'm the head coach, you're awesome quarterback, we're going to work together, but I'm the head coach, and you're going to listen to what I say, and we're going to you know, put these plays in the offense, and you're going to check to this when I say so. And I feel like you know, that's kind of been lost in Arizona during this little era here. And maybe that's what Kyler Murray needs. Back when things were falling apart for the Cardinals far earlier than usual, usually they start off good to great and then it falls apart. We were talking about whether or not it will take a coach who is very aggressive with Kyler Murray right. and tells him this is how it's going to be. And and Murray realizes if I truly want to be great, I need to buy in. I need to submit. I need to go all in. I need to make this my full obsession. I can't just rely upon my supreme athletic skills. I have to study and study and study and study. And there was a point this year when the Cardinals were playing on Monday Night Football and they had Larry Fitzgerald on the ESPN pregame show. And it was the closest yeah, I've ever seen right. to Larry Fitzgerald being pointed about Kyler Murray. And he did it in a backhanded way by over-the-top praise of Colt McCoy and his preparation and his work ethic and his attention to detail. And by implication, he was saying Kyler Murray doesn't have that. At some point, if you're going to be the guy that you want to be, if you're going to be the best possible football player, if you're going to be the best at anything it is, that you're trying to do in a competitive field where others are signing over their lives yep. to be the best they can be. Right. At some point, you got to sign over yours too. And look, I understand that that's unhealthy and the work-life balance and life's too short and people are too obsessed. It's just a game, yada, yada. I don't care. Look at the best of the best. That's right. They don't just show up right. and punch a clock at nine and punch out at five and go home and do whatever they want to do the rest of the night. It is a full-time, round-the-clock, year-round obsession if you want to be the best of the best. And that's the conversation somebody has to have with Kyler Murray. Plain and simple. Kyler, you're getting older now. Time to mature or not. you got to make the decision. What do you want to be when you've grown up? What are you going to be now that you have grown up? That's the kind of coach they need if they want to get the most out of Kyler Murray. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying there. You know, it, obviously, you know, there's there's some things about his preparation or whatever that need to go up to another level. I don't think he would deny that. You know, and and back to the contract talk, which you know, back last year, disrespectful that that language was in there, but still shows us that there was concern there. And it goes along with some other things that we've heard, you know, through the, the grapevines of the NFL there. So that's where, again, it doesn't, to, to our eye, yeah, it looks like he's going to step up in that department a little bit. And then I think that's also where the coach conversation that we were just having comes back into play as well. Because that's what a great head coach is going to do. He's going to show you, wait, wait, you need to do some of this. No, no, no. You know, when I worked with this great quarterback or, you know, before, this is how they approach the game. And that's what can make a good player great. 
You know, I think Drew Brees got a little bit out of Sean Payton. Sean, no, 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 we got to do this, right? So there's got to be that coach that can drive you, you know, be competitive, push the buttons the right way, and it doesn't always necessarily mean you're best friends and, you know, you can drink a beer with them. Again, I think we got back into it. You get into the great dynasties of the sport, right? I mean, you go through it. There's quarterback coach friction, actually. You know, Terry Bradshaw. Right, Chuck Knoll, that that was no great relationship there. Joe Montana and Bill Walsh, what? I mean, Joe Montana won two Super Bowls. All Bill Walsh tried to do is for four years after that was replace him with Steve Young and anybody he could. Right, there was that. Jimmy Johnson, Troy Aikman. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, again, Belichick and and Brady. You can go through it. A lot of great coach quarterback. Skipped over a fairly important one. And who uh, who would I miss? Skipped over one that you know pretty well. well Your dad. Well, I know. I didn't want to put Bill him in the. D- I didn't want to put him in the dynasty category there. But that that yes, I was going to go oh, there but too. Still, right. Still, it's it's a were, formula that's the tried and true. Right, right. It's a formula yeah. that's tried and true. You, you have to have yeah. healthy or maybe unhealthy tension at some point, and before you even get to the point where that tension is there, the player has to embrace what it means, especially in today's NFL, where it is around the calendar obsession for the best of the best. You've got to be willing to match that in order to compete with it on a consistent basis. And that was one of the things that Kyler Murray was going to have to get used to. He had lost three total games in his life before he came to the NFL, between high school and college. And it's different in the NFL. That was one of the concerns. How's he going to do when it's no longer as easy as it's been? It reminds me of like, and, and I think some folks out there can relate to this. You go through high school and it really isn't that hard to get good grades. And you feel like you're kind of smart. Yeah. It's isn't all that hard. You don't have to put in a ton of work. And then you go to a good college and all of a sudden it's kicking your ass. And you got all the distractions that go with being 18, 19 years old. And your day people got beer and you really die. And it's hard and it makes your brain hurt. and You don't really understand it. You get a, you have to decide. You have to decide which way am I going to go here? Am I going to make the commitment like I've never made it before? Or am I going to fall off and accept that some things take a lot of work and I just don't feel like doing it? Yeah. And that's the coach that Michael Bidwell needs. And before he even gets there, Chris, he's got to hire a GM too. I want to say this about Steve Kime. People wonder why Steve Kime lasted as long as he did. This is a very simple psychological analysis. We, we talk from time to time about the commissioner being the pin cushion for all of the owners. So he's the shield for their unpopular viewpoints and approaches. He's the one that gets blamed, not them. For some of these owners, the GM is the equivalent of that. The GM is the guy that lets the owner do whatever the owner wants to do, and the GM takes the fall for it if it doesn't work, and the owner kind of likes to have a GM. I'm not saying every one of them, but there's a dynamic out there where the owner wants to meddle but hide behind the GM. And I think some of that was going on in Arizona, and that's one of the reasons why Kime survived. Kime would let Bidwell do what he wanted to do and say what he wanted to say and be as involved as he wanted to be without ever implicating him, making it clear that Bidwell was involved and meddling because fans and media get nervous when an owner meddles. And, and, and so that's what Bidwell's got to ask himself. How do I want this to go? Am I willing to throw the keys to a GM and a coach and stay out of the way and not dabble in this? Just let them do their thing and I'll just be glorified fan. That's part of what he's going to have to process as he makes his hires. Yeah, it definitely is. I, I I don't know how much of a meddler he is. I don't know the history of that there, but uh, that is it's it's again that's the decision, you know, an owner has to make the sacrifice. Yeah, do you want a guy that's going to be all all over the details and everything? And yeah, you're going to have no say, but you're going to be successful, or do you want to? You know, play with your little fantasy football team and and have say and do things, but recognize that, you know, that's not your expertise and that there's some things there that can go wrong and you won't be as successful as a football team. You know, I, of course, would always prefer the the first. And and then that goes back into what we're talking about again. The great organizations, the dynasties we talked about, you know, they, they don't have meddlers as owners. They have guys that understand to delegate responsibilities in fields that they know they're not qualified to make big decisions in. So we'll see where this goes, but this is a big one. It is, you know, and it is to, to Michael Bidwell's point. And, and what I would throw out there is, 
you know, even in, in respect of Steve Cotton, there is some things on the football team that you look at and go, this is not a hard, or a big turnaround here. Now, they got a phenomenal secondary. They got good linebackers. You know, defensive line's okay. They need some difference makers there. That's for sure. But, you know, offense, we hit on it. There's plenty of talent to go around. They got to improve the O-line a little bit. Hey, running back, maybe that's an issue. But this isn't one where you go, oh, wow, man, they really got issues across the board, and I don't even know where to begin here. No, they got a lot of the dirty work already done, and I think that could be appealing to the coaches that are out there looking for a job. You mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. Cap number for 2023, Chris, over or under $24.5 million. What do you think? Well, since you're asking me that, I'm going to say it's over that, and uh, that'd be, that's a lot of money for well, DeAndre I tried, Hopkins. <laughs> I, tried to, I tried to make it lower to dupe you. Right. I should have picked it. I should have made it higher, I guess. I don't know. I did that on the fly. $30.75 million is the DeAndre Hopkins cap number. So the new GM is going to have to either rework that contract to keep him around or it's time to say – we're moving on from DeAndre Hopkins. That's part of the decision-making process that the new regime is going to have to engage in. So, you know, that's what's so weird about this because big decisions that resonate for years to come get made in a fairly compressed time frame. Who are the Cardinals going to pursue? We don't know. Who's going to want that job? We don't know. I will say this, though. Saturday when the news came out that Sean Payton and the Broncos have mutual interest and the Broncos are going to interview him. Made a phone call or two and was told that the Saints fully expect to hear from the Cardinals. And that was when we were not quite sure what Michael Bidwell was going to do. At least publicly, we weren't sure what he was going to do. The Saints, as of Saturday night, had an anticipation they were going to hear from the Cardinals about talking to Sean Payton. Makes sense. So that gets interesting. That gets interesting, and that's the guy. That's the guy that we're talking who can about. Take Kyler Murray, right? That and 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 you know because he's the guy who will take supremely talented athlete and craft an offense one week at a time, one game at a time, whatever plays. He'll have the playbook available, but he'll pick based upon what he will expect to be facing defensively the plays that will work and he'll come up with new ones the day of the game walk through in the ballroom at the hotel he'll come up with a new play and install it then that's why you got to have the commitment you got to keep up with Sean Payton if Kyler Murray doesn't make the commitment he's never going to keep up with Sean Payton but it'll be very interesting if they get into that mix and Chris your buddy Jim Harbaugh it fascinates me just that he would be back potentially in the NFC West yeah, seriously facing Pete Carroll and the Seahawks facing the 49ers twice a year but it all comes down to how much power and authority Michael Bidwell is willing to hand to his coach slash GM. And he said yesterday, ideally hire the GM first, then the coach, but not necessarily. And that gives us a good sense of what that model is going to be. Is it the coach and the GM beneath the coach setting the table? Or is it the, the GM, you know, the, the Giants model the way it was for years, the GM is fully in charge and the coach works for him? Is it? Equal, that, that's part of what Bidwell has to figure out. And a lot of it depends upon who he wants and what that person is going to require by way of head coach. Yeah, well, I think that's, you know, that's a whole other conversation when you talk about, you know, Sean Payton and, and Jim Harbaugh. And, yeah, you're going to have to figure out who they're going to be comfortable with. And that, that's going to be, you know, a team collaborative type of thing there as well. Uh, because, it, you know, like you've talked about, you don't want to throw those two guys with just anybody. Uh, they're powerful people as far as personalities are concerned. Sean Payton, I would think, is going to want some say in roster moves and stuff like that as well. So those are the things that have to be ironed out. And then, of course, to your point, too, those are two coaches that Michael Bidwell certainly is not going to have a lot of say with. You know, not, not that they can't be diplomatic and hear what he has to say, but you know, th those are the sheriffs there. They're they're going to call the shots. But but I, you know, again, I think with you know, somewhat of a young team, a young quarterback, that's where I kind of lean to as far as, you know, that type of guy. A guy that's, you know, again, like we've talked about with Denver, that's been there, done that, understands good culture and to bring that, you know, in the right place. You know, it, just the last few years, it, it was fun, you know, but it had a little bit of a feel of the wild, wild west to it. And, you know, the first year we saw plays, great. Second year, oh, great. There was some improvement, but we fell apart towards the end of the year. And then there was that 
you know, third year. I got to prove ourselves that we're really worth it. And they made a push, but then they fell apart at the end of the year and it just never turned back around. And, um, you know, hopefully they can be a little more consistent as far as a team with their next head coach. One last point before we move on to, because the question will come up as Peyton is linked to the Broncos. What about the quarterback situation there? Peyton, if he gets linked to the Cardinals, what about the quarterback situation there long-term? You've got a quarterback with a torn ACL. You don't know when he's going to be back, who's going to take over in the interim. Peyton made it clear when he talked about it on Fox on Sunday morning, and this is something I believe Jim Harbaugh also accepts. Ownership and front office are the key. A good coach will work with anything else. Yeah. Peyton made the point of saying, now it was, it was his opportunity to say, I think Russell Wilson's perfectly fine, and I would love to, to coach him. He didn't. He said, hey, when we went to New Orleans, we didn't have a quarterback. You know, they tried to get Tony Romo Yeah, when Sean Payton went to New Orleans in right. 2006 before anybody knew who Romo was. Right. Payton did because he was with the Cowboys. He tried to get Romo. Parcells told him, go to hell. And he got Drew Brees after the Dolphins passed on him because he had 20-plus studs in his shoulder after injuring it in his final regular season game with the Chargers. And it was kind of like that's all the Saints really could do. And what happened? It became one of the great quarterback-coach combinations of all time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. But it's not critical to the destination. Ownership and front office are going to be critical to the destination for Peyton and Harbaugh. And, hey, maybe the Rams will be in play. Who knows? This has gone so quickly, Chris. It's really shocking. And there was a a sense out there it could happen. You and I just started spitballing about it last week. Yep. Peter and I were spitballing about it last week. And then – it just and then he gets asked about it, right? He gets asked about the possibility of leaving for TV, and he yeah, tiptoes around it. And then after Sunday's game, it becomes clear something's up. And now Monday, let's hear from McVeigh. It's now obvious that he is thinking about leaving, and he is engaged in a very public and open conversation about whether or not he's going to come back. Here's McVeigh on making his decision about what he's going to do in 2023 going to take the next couple days um, to really be able to kind of reflect obviously a lot of conversations with various people um, that will dictate and determine um, the decision that's best for me my family um, the Rams and a lot of people and that's kind of where we're at with that this has been years this isn't like uh, this isn't a new thing Um, this is uh, this has been something that I think has gone on for those of you guys that know me for a handful of years but it's a beautiful challenge I wouldn't change this for the world This needed to occur. This was a necessary part of the growth and the development, um, you know, for me to be the person that I need to be instead of worrying about some things that maybe you worried about before that you wouldn't have realized had you not gone through this experience Um, and being around the players and the coaches and the way that they've handled that. And so for that, I am grateful. And that's where you just figure out, all right, what is the best way to continue to move forward um, in the right way to be the best coach that you can possibly be? Um, because I don't get the sense in the least bit I'm done coaching, right? It's just a matter of what does that look like as it relates to the immediate future um, is more about, you know, what you're really working through right now. All right, let me just say this. Sean McVay's 36. I got a nephew just about his age. And I would say to Sean, if he were my nephew, and it's, God, it makes me feel freaking old to say this. But old timer? What up, old timer? Old man Florio? Listen, go ahead, and, go ahead and play the piano as the background music while I say this. But I would say no, to Sean, don't, I hey, Sean hear nephew Sean. Right. <laughs> Sean, you're, you're already done. Sean, Sean, you're the last one to figure it out. I mean, you're Bruce Willis That's what in it sounds sense. like. It's over. Right. For you to be talking about it like that, yeah. it's over. Right. And there's a point where you're going to piss a lot of people off by engaging in this public soliloquy about what you're thinking. Sean Payton just left. Sean Payton didn't feel the need to wallow publicly in what am I going to do. He just left. It was gone. Now, we know what he was trying to do. He was trying to get to Miami, but that's fine. Whatever it is that Sean McVay is trying to do, just do it. You don't have to talk about it because you know what, Sean? If you wake up this morning and you decide, like George Bailey at the end of It's a Wonderful Life, I want to coach again. You've had a vision of what the NFL would have looked like if you'd never existed or whatever. The three Christmas ghosts came to you. Whatever it is that caused you to have an epiphany that you're going to stay. Man, that's a lot of toothpaste to put back in the tube now that you've sprayed it all over the place. You never should have done that. And sometimes I think that people do that 
to make it easier for them to do the thing they're thinking about doing. Sure. That once you stand up there right. and just spew all this stuff that makes it clear that you're thinking about leaving, 100%. it makes it easier to walk out the door right. because you can't come back now. Right. I, I think that's what it's doing. That's what he's doing. He's tactically laying down the groundwork. He was letting, He basically just gave us a conversation to lead us down the road that – you know, he's exhausted from coaching, and that's not going to happen. He just he might need a break, you know, here in the immediate future or something. I mean, that, he's, he is. That's if all. Patrick Mahomes was his quarterback, if Patrick Mahomes was his quarterback, he wouldn't need a break. Well, I think it's – and I'm not – this isn't a, a Matthew Stafford thing. This is just the situation in the Rams. They sold their soul. That's the common theme I'm hearing from folks around the league, these people who've been resentful and angry about how F them picks is effing up their ability to do their job because their owners say, why don't we do what the Rams are doing? Here's why we're not doing it. Because they went all in, they won their Super Bowl, and now it's all crumbling and McVay's running out the door before it does. That's how people are reacting to all of this around the league. And of if course. he had a deck that was stacked in his favor, if he was heading to a second straight Super Bowl appearance, he wouldn't be having these thoughts. 5-12 and 12 is what's causing him to have these thoughts. Uh, uh, agreed. I mean, there's no doubt about that. That's where it is very much like Sean Payton. I think he's looking at the writing on the wall a little bit about the team and going, wait, things aren't going in the right direction. I'm not sure I want to be here. You know, for the for this, for the rebuild, for all the tough things there. And I think that's where he's, you know, trying to soften the blow also within the public forum here because there's some things that, you know, don't look necessarily right. You know, that that's the other thing here. You know, one, hey, you just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then you asked for you got a new contract. So that just seems weird right off the get-go. Wait, so why didn't we think about this last year? I mean, why was this not a thing last year, you know, after you won the Super Bowl before we were asking for money? But then also you got to take into some of the things he's probably told guys, you know. Uh, that's where he's got to soften the blow here, too, and make sure he plays it the right way. I mean, how much of the conversations between McVay led to Aaron Donald coming back and Stafford coming back and, hey, man, come back here. We're going to build something. We're going to do that. So he's led people down a path of like, hey, I'm going to be here. We're going to do this together. So now he's trying to delicately, delicately get out of town. And, yeah, it's, it, to me, that's what it seems like. Again, it's a team that's got a lot of issues. They got holes across the board. You know, they got a quarterback that's beat up a little bit. They got Aaron Donald who's paying a lot of money coming to the end of his career. There's no draft picks. And, yeah, by all due accounts, this totally seems like a guy that's going – wait, we're not going to be very successful here the next few years. Let me take a year off and then find a new job somewhere else and, you know, with a better situation and better assets and to, to, to support me. And last year, I think the deliberation was, do I leave a team that possibly could compete yeah, for right, Super Bowl? Right. Get caught up in that. When you are celebrating the Super Bowl you have just won, it is very tempting to think, you're going to do it again. And that's the cautionary tale for anyone else who is pondering their future with a team as a player or a coach or a GM or in any capacity. Don't let the fact that you just won the Super Bowl be a major factor because chances are you're not going to win it next year. Something's going to happen. You're probably not even going to get back next year. It doesn't happen very frequently. The Patriots are the only team in the past 30 years that have mustered the ability to go back-to-back, -back. not quite 30. The Broncos went back-to-back, -back, and then the Patriots did. But it's been 20 years since the Patriots did. There's a reason that no one's won back-to-back -back Super Bowls. The Patriots have qualified for back-to-back -back Super Bowls right. during their incredible run that may never be duplicated. But just don't assume you're going to be back there. Don't do it. Don't make that part of your thought process. Don't let that lure yeah, bring you hard. back you're right, if you're Mike. thinking about taking Jeff Bezos' money to go work Thursday Night Football. I mean, that's the other problem. Chris, and I don't think this is about TV because he's going to find out they are not going to throw the money at him that they would have a year ago. First of all, there's no the shine is off the apple. Right, right. And there's no seats available. Yeah. Now, now, look, if there were no seats available a year ago when Sean McVay is carrying around the Lombardi trophy, maybe somebody makes a seat for him. But this year, they're not going to make a seat for him. The seats are full. The big money jobs are gone. He's going to be, if he wants to do TV, the number two guy at Fox maybe. I don't know if Tom Brady doesn't knock Greg Olson down to number two 
or have to go to a studio somewhere. And the studio jobs don't pay what you get when you're the the analyst at one of the major networks, whether it's NBC, CBS, ESPN, ABC, Fox, or Amazon. No, nobody wants to work. Happen. Nobody so wants I, to work I, in the studio every now, now anymore. Everybody wants to no, announce no, games. God, I mean, no, no, every player you talk no, to, I don't no, want to be in the studio. I want to announce games. Oh, really? Is that right? <laughs> no. If they're in the studio, they got to deal with guys like us. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, I, I think this is more about taking a timeout and picking his next spot. He's watching what Sean Payton did, and I think that's the model. Because it's not like Peyton got some great TV job. I was fascinated by what Peyton may end up doing in media. Yeah, it's, it was just a, it was just a part time right. placeholder for him to stay in and around the game while he picks his next move. Yeah, and if he does it for another year at Fox, so be it. But hell, that may be the easiest thing for McVeigh. Hope Peyton leaves and just become the new Sean for Fox. You just cross out Peyton and you put in McVeigh, and you just kind of linger there for a year yeah. and wait for your next opportunity. Somebody sends the Rams a first-round draft pick that they'll trade for some established veteran player elsewhere, and then McVeigh becomes a coach again. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. I, I certainly could see that. You know, I mean, Maybe even multiple years. I don't know. Again, he's young. He's got lots in front of him. You know, one of his mentors was John Gruden, who we saw went into the booth and was there for a significant number of years before he jumped back into coaching, jumped back into coaching again. So, yeah, I, I think you're, you know, you're kind of, I kind of see it the same way. I don't think this is going to be like, I don't get the feel that this is going to be McVay, let me get out with the Rams because I got some other job lined up already. That's not the feel I get like no, Sean, right? No. It's, it's totally like, hey, he's going to, He's getting away. Sean Payton was another job lined up, and then it got blown up, and then he went to the TV thing. This seems like, yeah, TV, let me keep my name in the spotlight a little bit, figure out my next moves, you know, think about that a little bit, and then, you know, go from there. And that's kind of what this has the feel of. Um, Two things. Yeah. First, I think one of the things he learned from Gruden is walk away before they make you run. Mm-hmm. Right, because Gruden hung around Tampa Bay, it fell apart, and they fired him. It's better to walk away on your own terms. Although Gruden landed on his feet as the top analyst at ESPN after he was finally fired by the Buccaneers. The other thing is this: I made this point yesterday, and I was talking to somebody over the weekend as it relates to the Broncos' mindset. Once the Broncos accept the fact that they are going to give the Saints something potentially for Sean Payton, and right. look, even though they haven't agreed on compensation, they kind of have. There's an understanding of what it's going to take. The Broncos know it. It's like going to look at a house. Yeah. That, you know, why, why would you go look at a house that you have no intention on yeah, paying? Yeah, you know the general price. Why would price. you do that to right, yourself? Right, you, you You know what the price is going to be right. if you want to buy this house. Mm-hmm. You're pre-qualified. The Broncos are essentially pre-qualified to go tour this house. My point is this. Once you start preparing to write a check that big... Why only look at one house? Why not call every team that may have a coach that may be ready to move on? If you're going to give up a first-round pick or more to get Sean Payton, why not call the Ravens and see if it's time for John Harbaugh to move on? Why not call the Patriots and see Valid if point. maybe Bill Belichick would be ready to go? Why not call the Rams? It's, it's a family call. It's the Waltons and the Cronkies. Hey, Sean's done working for Stan. Sean wants to move on. Hey, Stan, what would it take? <laughs> hey, Sean, <clears throat> Sean, not, not that, not that the prospect of going to a team that probably faces the same rebuild that the Rams do will be all that appealing to Sean McVay. But, but, but my point is no, this. they it's less of a rebuild. There, Mike, it's the, yeah. The Broncos It's less. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, well, yeah. you got, well, 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 you still got a quarterback situation. You got to figure out. Hey, they could trade Russell Wilson plus two first round picks and a third round pick for Matthew Stafford if they want to. But I, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, my point is this: for the Broncos or any other team that's contemplating the possibility of trying to hire somebody else's coach, I think that's a potential factor for Sean McVay, and maybe that's why he's making it known. Maybe that's why he's making it known to everybody what he's thinking about as teams are considering their options for coach. Maybe he's hoping that somebody has the light bulb flicker. Say, well, why don't we call the Rams and see what they would want for the guy that's going to walk away from them anyway? I, 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 it's it's very logical what you're saying there. I don't know if that's his master plan. If it is, it's it's brilliant. Uh, you know, if it is, maybe that's why he's kind of saying these things publicly. 
it opens up the forum for people to understand, you know, where he's at in this process and that he is open for business, right? Maybe that's why he's doing it, Mike. Um, but th- it is interesting. And I, I hear your point too. I mean, it's something we've hit on a little bit and I know you've hit on it. I, I don't understand why it doesn't go on more as far as, you know, the acquisition or the trading for coaches out there. And, you know, like you've said, you know, more times than not, after you get to a certain part of years, teams and the head coach are kind of looking to maybe go their separate ways anyways. I mean, we heard that a few years ago with John Harbaugh and the Ravens. Not that they, you know, didn't dislike each other. It just kind of, I think there was a thought in the NFL that it was maybe time for them to go different directions. That happens. Um, it'll be, be interesting. It really will. And I don't know where this McVay thing's going. Yeah, it seemed like it was a TV step away thing. That's the feel I get, but maybe there is a bigger play here at, at hand as far as you know, positioning yourself for one of these opening jobs, open jobs. It's harder to sell that to the guys you're leaving behind. Yeah, it really is. Definitely, that's the, that's the personal. If he's that's yes. simply laying the foundation to jump to another team. That makes it harder to tell Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, right. everybody else who's on that team, because it really does create the Indiana Jones scenario where he's sliding under the falling stone door. Yeah, and it makes it look like you pulled a slick run. runs onto the next team. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I really do think, I'm going to keep it simple. I think that this is a basic psychological thing by Sean McVay. To talk about it so much, it's impossible to stay. That that's the only way he's going to walk away. If he just burns it down to the point where... Because, look, if he stays, he's going to deal with this every year. He's Brett Favre contemplating retirement. Every single year, this issue is going to come up. He's not going to be able to talk this down and shout this down. We get to the end of every season this from this point forward, and that's going to be the conversation. Is this the year that he walks away? So I think it is, and I don't think he'll be coaching anybody else. My point is, if you're thinking about offering somebody a first-round pick or more for their coach, maybe maybe you can just throw it out there and – See if it sticks. Yeah. Why not? I mean, there's so much going on right now from the standpoint of who are we going to hire? Who are we going to talk to? Why not be as creative and broad and flexible as possible? All right. We've been as broad as possible as we could for the opening segment on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. We'll take a break. When we return, Packers coach Matt LaFleur weighing in on the possibility that his starting quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, will finally walk away for good. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at Paycor.com leaders. That's P-A-Y-C-O-R dot slash leaders. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people.